The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant, and the houses without people, and the land is desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, some time ago, the uh, Reader's Digest printed a piece titled, 21 Stupid Warning Labels That Will Make You Feel Like a Genius. I'd like to share a few of these with you this morning. Here's a warning on a wheelbarrow. Not intended for highway use. Warning on a baby stroller. Remove child before folding. Please obey. Do not eat iPod shuffle. You you think you don't need these labels and then you see people uh, swallowing uh, hand sanitizer, right? There's your sign. Warning label. Here it is. May cause drowsiness. Use care when operating car. Now that one would be okay except it's printed on... Uh, dog medicine. (laughs) Caution, risk of fire found on a package of fireplace logs. And finally, a letter opener, safety goggles uh, recommended. (laughs) There you go. Life is full of warnings, is it not? Some of them we heed, some of them not so much. And, and, And we get this right now in the midst of this pandemic, right? I mean, we're being told, and it seems like it changes from week to week, all of these instructions. Here's what you need to do to keep yourself safe. And we're trying to navigate these uncharted waters and figure out, hey, what is hype? What do I need to listen to? And that is no easy feat, is it? Well, this morning, I want you to consider a question that I'll come back to at the end of my message. And here it is. How will you respond to God's warnings found in the scriptures. The Bible is, uh, I think of it as a love letter to the people of God. It's a wonderful book that's infused with grace and mercy and, and, and the love of God. But friends, it is full, as you know, of warning after warning after warning. And sometimes we hear so much about the love of God that we tend to not take seriously the warnings that are found in the Scriptures. And so there's the question. I want you to meditate on that. How will you respond? How do you respond to God's warnings in the Scriptures? So Isaiah is given this very difficult job of delivering the prophetic messages of warning to God's people. Like, people love a prophet when it's good news, right? But... They don't care so much for those who have the job of delivering bad news to the people of God. So here's what the story is. Rather than repenting, here's what we see in this passage. That by and large, the people of Israel, God's people, simply do not take God seriously. Much like today. So to their demise, they fail to consider His holiness, His judgment, and they essentially call His bluff. 
And so I just want to simply break down the passage into three parts, and I want to begin by pointing about out the condition of Judah. Judah is the southern tribe of God's people. So I want to look at the condition of the people of God. Backstory is this. King Uzziah, this great king, has just died, and he, he went on a decline towards the end of his reign, but for many years he was a very loved king. The people of Judah lived during his reign in a time of great prosperity and relative peace. But in the midst of their comfort, here's what happened. They began to forget the Lord. Is that not a familiar story? You know, often in our troubled times, and even looking back to the beginning of this pandemic, everybody's seeking the Lord and calling upon the Lord, but it only takes a few weeks of things easing up a bit before people are going and doing their own thing again and forgetting about the Lord. Do we not see this in our country? Listen, we are a a country founded on biblical principles. We have forefathers who love God. They weren't perfect, but they love God. And, and, And this is a nation that is built on the mantra of in God we trust. And there are people who will not even say that today in our nation because there are many in our country, leaders and just uh, citizens who live here, they'll say, listen, we're good. We've got it from here. And they even shake their fists at the Lord. So in Israel, in the midst of their comfort, they experienced this state of kind of moral decline and religious disintegration. So I want to look at chapter 1 of Isaiah, going back, and we can kind of get a picture of the moral decline of Israel. So in chapter 1, the word of the Lord says, All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. Friends, this is the people of God the Lord is speaking about. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. And they are utterly estranged. Do you not feel like sometimes that's the story of this nation? I'm not saying with every individual, but do you not feel sometimes that our nation is becoming more and more estranged from the things of God? And then if you go to chapter 5, matter of fact, in chapter 5 we see six woes these kind of prophecies of doom that, that come from the Lord. And in verse five, or chapter 5, verse 24, it says, They have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And because of all this, in verse 25, Isaiah says, Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people. This is not an attribute of God we like to talk about. But there are ramifications when we, for the times that we disobey the Lord, there are consequences. And the Lord can be angry. I know we like to look at God as kind of cute and cuddly, but the Lord is a God of wrath at times as well. No doubt, uh, Isaiah lived in the time when his people were experiencing this moral decline. And when you read through the charges against the Israelites, I mean, it's like looking in a mirror of our nation right now. And so we would be wise to heed the warnings of these texts. I mean, there was a time when our country was desperate for God. There was a reverence for His Word. But in our comfort, 
We've neglected and even shaken our fists at God. And one of the uh, charges against God's people in Isaiah, you'll remember this text. The Lord says, woe to you who call good evil and evil good. And that is exactly what is happening in our nation right now. Look at our nation. Look at abortion. Woe to you, and this is the murder of children. Woe to you who calls good evil and evil good. Friends, it's evil, and it's not just being tolerated in our nation. It's being celebrated and demanded. Sexual immorality, homosexuality, greed. We don't like to talk about this one, right? All of this, it's a stench in the Lord's nostrils. Woe to you who call good evil and evil good. And not only, I'm going to repeat this, not only is all of this and much more tolerated in our country, but it is celebrated. But then you take the holy things of God, prayer, holy living, sexual purity, and all these things are despised by and large in our Western world. What's the problem In our comfort, we have lost sight and reverence for the holiness of God. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but God has been defamed in the minds of his people. He's been domesticated, if you will, reduced to kind of this cute, cuddly little pet who's there to to kind of greet you when you're home from work or when you need him. And here's something else. God has become a concept to many rather than a reality. A concept, see, can be molded to fit whatever preferences you might have. There's a guy that I was in, in conversation with not too long ago, was just living a horrendous lifestyle. And he says, you know, I know what the Bible says about God in the Old Testament, but I don't really think he's like that anymore. So I think God's just okay with whatever. That was the implication. What he's done, he's taken the reality of God, he's thrown it out of the window, and, 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 he's, and he has said, now I've got this concept of God that I've shaped into a God that I can serve and still live the life that I want. That's what's happening even in the church, sadly. This is why the Lord says, going back to John chapter 4, uh, the, the Lord is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God does not want you to worship your version of him. He wants you to worship him for who he truly is. So many people have lost sight of God's holiness, his purity, his majesty, his omnipotence. So when we get an accurate view of God, there's this, though, realization, and I hope we realize this today, those watching online, those here, that that God doesn't play. I mean, he's gracious, he's long-suffering, but God does not play. He's serious. So we need to have, again, a healthy fear, reverence for the Lord which moves me to the second point, the judgment of God. Now, the third point gets a little bit happier, just to, so stay with me, all right? God has been extremely, I want you to, to get this, because this is a difficult text to preach, but God has been extremely long-suffering and patient with his people. This is not, if you're new to, to the faith or you don't know much about the story of Israel, this is not like a one-day mess up and they're out, Okay. This is ongoing, constant rebellion and unfaithfulness to the word of the Lord. So let's look at verses 9 and 10. So here's what the Lord says to Isaiah. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. 
Verse 10, make the heart of this people dull. He's talking about his own people. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And you go, wait, 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 wait. Lord, don't you want them to turn and be healed? It's a tough passage. How can the Lord who wishes that none would perish, that none would be far from him, harden the hearts of men and women? Well, it's best, as we know, to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And there's another very familiar uh, passage that uh, kind of identifies with this concept. So Exodus chapter 7 Remember the story of Exodus when God sends the, the plagues of, upon uh, Egypt uh, so that they would uh, finally relent and let God's people go. But look at verse 3 of chapter 7 in Exodus. The Lord says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I'll lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. Well, think about this. Great judgment comes upon the people of Egypt as a result of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Is that fair? Well, to, to, to answer that question, you've first got to understand that Pharaoh is not this kind, gentle, innocent man. No, he is a ruthless dictator who enslaves God's people. His heart is already hardened at this point in Exodus chapter 7. Secondly, on at least two occasions, the Bible says that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Several times God hardens his heart, but on at least two occasions, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Let me read these to you. Exodus eight fifteen. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he, Pharaoh, hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And then Exodus eight thirty two. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. So it seems, here's what God did. It seems that God only further hardened Pharaoh's heart that he might fully display his glory. Isaiah's message then becomes God's tool to hide the truth from people who are unreceptive already in their hearts. They've offended the Lord greatly. And in the New Testament, it's interesting that Jesus does the exact same thing by teaching in parables. Matthew 13, 10, then disciples came to, to Jesus and said, why do you speak in parables? And he answered them, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For the one who has, more will be given. The one will have with abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Indeed, in the, their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, saying, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, or their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So Jesus uses this same exact tactic. He uses parables to hide the truth from those who were already opposed to God. So here's what we see. God's sovereign judgment is at work as he hardens the hearts of the Israelites. 
They have responsibility, though, because for so long they've rejected the Lord. Do you know that Romans 1 talks about this same thing? When we talk about the wrath of God, and and one of the ways that God punishes is by giving you what you want. It's exactly what he does. I I remember the story, you're going to cringe at this, but I had a pastor that I used to work for, and his his little daughter, uh, she was very young, and and she she used to, they had this um, wood stove, and it would obviously be very, very hot, and she would always go over and kind of look back at it, and she knew she was not supposed to touch it, and she'd go to lay her hand on it, and he'd smack her hand or whatever, and she'd stop. And, but he, she did this just day after day after day and, and finally said, I've told you it's hot. You want to touch it, touch it. She never touched it again. And that seems really cruel, but that was the only way that he could see to, uh, please don't call social services on it. <laughs> but but uh, this was many years ago when you could do things like that. But, but listen, um, I'm not <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm down a rabbit trail. I don't want to go down. All right, here we go. So when, when God wants to bring judgment upon people, often what he'll do is give them over to what they're asking for. And Romans 1 is very clear about this. They have, that you've got people who have, instead of worshiping, worshiping the creator. They have worshiped the created things. They have denied the truth. They've, they've, now they've become darkened in their understanding, and God has given over them over to the lust of their heart, and their sin has been magnified. It has taken over their lives. This is why we don't mess with sin, because if you move in habitual sin, sometimes especially as I'm talking, if you're in the world, not, not a Christian, Particularly, the Lord will often give you over to that sin. That's part of his judgment. Be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Friends, the Lord is patient. The Lord is kind. He is loving. But he is not to be taken advantage of. He is a, it is a fearful thing to disobey the Lord and reject the word of the Lord. So we've looked at the state of Judah and the judgment of God, but I want to end by considering the good news, so you'll leave smiling. I can't tell if you're smiling or not this morning, but, uh, but, but I want you to consider the good news here at the end of Isaiah. Verse 13, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. God is so merciful. This passage ends with a declaration. They were the, considered the disobedient child of the Lord. But Jesus came, the true faithful Israelite. Hallelujah. The one who obeyed, who did what, what Israel could not do. Israel, when they were tempted in the wilderness, remember they complained and grumbled against the Lord. For 40 years they wandered. And sinned against the Lord. But Jesus for 40 days was taken to the wilderness, led by the Spirit of God and tempted, but yet without sin. He's the faithful Israelite. Hallelujah. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He was the obedient son. I love the fact that the rebellious generation did not ruin God's redemptive plan. I believe this ought to make our hearts just leap with joy this morning. 
just points us to the, we, we see here the depravity of man, but we see the, the blessing here, the, this picture even in the Old Testament of Christ. This foreshadowing of, of what is to come, and we are in this redemptive age now. We've brought, been brought near to God. So I want to go back to this question that I began with. How will you respond to the warnings found in Scripture? Will you be like Isaiah, who fell before the Lord with a broken and contrite heart and said, Woe is me, Lord, I'm a sinner. I just throw myself at your mercy. That's the way to respond to God. Or will you be that wicked generation who says, ah, it's no big deal. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I want you to notice what Isaiah did not do in this passage. He did not pull himself up by his bootstraps like what we're told to do, right? In our in our western world hey make your own way make your own path you've got to do this thing yourself no he just he just lays before the Lord and says hey I'm undone today if you're watching online or you're here and you've been trying to to, to kind of earn God's favor you, you can't do that the starting point is to do exactly what Isaiah does here. It's to, to lay before the Lord and say, God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I've forsaken your word. And I just throw myself at your feet. That's the broken and contrite heart that the Lord blesses. Amen? In light of God's holiness... We must take his word very seriously, including the warnings. And some of you here today, some of you watching online, you're running from the Lord. And you're thinking, that's no big deal. God's really nice. He's not going to care. There's habitual sin in your life. But Hebrews 3.12 tells us this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Verse 15 as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The writer of Hebrews is saying, do not be like the people of Israel and keep going your own way. Do not harden your hearts. Follow the Lord. Repent. We live in a place where many have chosen the wide gate and the popular path that is in direct opposition to God. But I'm calling people today as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the narrow way. For those of you who have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. And for those of you who have, but you're walking in some sinful ways right now, I want to compel you to repent today. Perhaps fierce judgment will come upon our nation. But I do believe that we can be part of a remnant of people who love God. No matter how far away from God our, the multitudes in our country get, here's what, what I hope. I hope real life and many other churches can be a place where we still love God. We, we, we still walk in purity. We still run after Him and seek Him for who He really is. May we at real life be a church that loves Him, honors Him, obeys Him, and worships Him in the beauty of His holiness. 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.